0: get into the message though today as always I always like to start with a word of prayer just to uh, just focus uh, my mind and my thoughts and uh, my intentions so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as well dear God we just uh, come before you today and Lord what a what an opportunity to praise you and to glorify your name and God I just ask right now that the words that you've laid up on my heart that they'd be your words not my words Lord I pray that whatever is true let it just be sealed up in our hearts. Whatever is false, just let it fall by the wayside. God, I pray that you would just uh, convict those who need convicted, challenge those who need challenged, encourage those who need encouraged. But God, most importantly today, I do ask that your name is honored, that your name is glorified, Lord, uh, because we do this all in, all for you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so I get to close out a series called uh, Secret Christians, all right? And uh, if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Matt has done a phenomenal job getting us to where we're at today. And I'm just building off of what he's already preached on thus far. So if you want to know well, what is he alluding to, you've got to go back and listen to it if you haven't thus far. It's been an amazing series. So I really encourage you to do that. But I am going to give us just a couple things that he had talked about because it really brings us to what I want to share Uh, This morning, because we're talking about today, how do we take everything that Matt's talked about and how do we make it personal to our lives and how we interact with people day to day? So I want to remind us of our our passage, our foundational passage for the uh, series, and it comes out of Matthew 5, verse 14, says, you are the light of the world. So he's talking to you and I, you are the light. I don't know if you know that or not, but here this morning, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's been our theme verse for this whole series, all right? And so just reminding us that, that as followers of Christ, if we say we have put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, he wants to use us as being the light on a hilltop, right? It's not reserved for someone else to do. It's not something for the pastors to do. It's not something for evangelists to do or missionaries, or someone special, or the Billy Grahams of this world. He has given this task to you and to I to carry this out. All right, and so last year, Matt uh, read a quote put out by the Pew Research um, Group, and uh, it really troubled him, and this is the, the quote, and it's kind of why we called it secret Christians, all right? So in 2019, they did a study, and what they found was basically this. Americans have increasingly become less likely to know even one evangelical Christian. Americans. All right. So what everybody says, well, America is this Christian nation. Um really, because you don't even know one. All right. And so what that's saying and why we're calling it the secret Christians is because what's happening in the workplace is people know a Buddhist, they know a Hindu, they know a Catholic, they know a Republican, they know a Democrat, but they don't know an evangelical Christian. So why? And that's what we want to address here is why do we why do we try to fade on into an anonymity? Is it because of political correctness? Do we think we can't espouse the word of God in our daily lives? Or is it because we're ashamed of what we carry? Or is it because we don't even know what we carry? And Matt went on talked about what are some of the reasons for why we we kind of shroud ourselves in secrecy? Got to go back and listen to it if you haven't. But last week he challenged us with a prayer directly from Jesus it's one of the longest prayers recorded in the in the scriptures comes out of John chapter 17 I'm not going to read the whole prayer Um, I just want to again I'm just highlighting some key points that lead us to today Uh, it starts at verse 17 so John chapter 17 verse 17 says make them holy by your truth this is this is Jesus's prayer to God his father God, make them holy by your truth. You see, most of the time we spend our lives comparing ourselves to other Christians. That's a horrible comparative value because we can make ourselves look good compared to a sinner, right? Because my sins aren't like your sins, like you're bad. But I'm just a couple steps better than you. I'm not gonna compare myself to Billy Graham because, well, I mean, like, I can't be like him. But I can be, our comparison is to God. Like, he's holy. He's never done one wrong thing. Our comparative value is so messed up. We're we're being made holy by his truth. Teach them your word, which is truth, the word of God. In Jesus Christ, it says that Jesus himself is the word. So teach us to be holy by the word. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So Jesus, in all of his wisdom, decided it was a good idea to create the church and that we're responsible for carrying his message of light. Isn't that crazy? Like, he trusts us to carry this message of hope in his absence. Keep going. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. He's giving himself, and I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to that, that particular passage. He's giving himself so that you and I can be made holy because somewhere in that holiness, that is where our transformation happens. That, when we are transformed into the likeness of Christ, that is out of that transformation is where our, our witness comes in. So then Matt talked last week about the truth and the, the world that we're living in. And the world that we're living in is, is really kind of chaotic right now. And then he, I love the word that he used, and so I'm just going to adapt it to today, is when we're talking about truth, my truth equals malarkey. Everybody everybody heard that word last week? Uh, He brought it back. I love that word. My truth equals malarkey, but God's truth equals transformation. My truth is nothing, because if I say my truth and your truth, it's not truth. It's my opinion and your opinion. Truth is not relative, or else it's not truth at all. It, it ceases to be truth when it can change from one person to the other. That's not truth at all. That's just uh, hyperbole at some point in time, conjecture. What are we going to? What are we going to establish our lives upon? It's the truth of the Word of God, the absolute hope that we talk about. Is that really the truth that we build our lives on? Well, that's what transforms us. So God left us. In this world, to be His light, in His absence, that's quite an opportunity. So then, last week Matt ended with a picture, all right, and he ended with this illustration of the flamethrower the flamethrower, the campfire, and he, and this circle, this campfire. In fact, I've even called my title or titled my sermon today for you, "Your Campfire." All right, we all have a campfire. And it doesn't matter how big our campfire is. It doesn't matter how many people are sitting around your campfire. You have a campfire. And you're gonna go back to your campfire when you leave this place today. And that's what I want us to think about today is your campfire. And then he shared what that looked like and I encourage you again, go back and listen to that. But it really sets us up for today. Your campfire is where you live, learn, work and play. Your campfire is where you live, learn, work, and play. We use that phrase. Matt and I go down to Haiti, and uh, we get to actually go on to the DR in February and do pastoral conferences, and we teach what's called Cyprus uh, or Christ Together. They use this phraseology as well. But this is really what we want to motivate people towards, is to realize that every believer has a campfire, and you're responsible for it, where you live, learn, work, and play. And we're gonna understand, what are we responsible to do with that? And, and I want you to be, to be challenged by, your campfire is surrounded with people that you work with. They're your neighbors where you live. We all live somewhere, we came from somewhere today. We work somewhere. If you don't work, you're retired, you had coworkers, you have family members, you, you engage in extracurricular activities of some sort, you go to your kids' sporting events, You have a life outside of journey, I guarantee it, okay? Because we see you once a week maybe, sometimes once a month, all right? (laughs) But you have a life, you have a campfire, right? And you're gonna take Jesus back to it. And how do we we be a light for Christ in all of those environments? That's what this is really about today. So are you, the question we need to ask ourselves, am I living a secret life in any of those environments where I live, learn, work, or play? Because if I am, we got to go back and ask ourselves why. But I want to focus more upon not why we aren't being the light, but how can we be the light? Well, we have to really adapt and adopt this idea that we truly are the hope of the world through Christ. We aren't the hope. We carry the hope of the world through the message of Christ into our circles. Now, I don't have a lot to, to give you other than what I want, what motivates me, what drives me to be able to take Christ into the circles that I live, work, and play myself. So what causes me to want to share Christ in each one of those circles? Right? You're part of my campfire here this morning. All right, And so I'm just gonna share with you what uh, God has convicted me of over the years. And I'll, I hope that it inspires you. Just four helpful tips on how you can take Christ into your campfire and make your campfire uh, delight that you share With others, all right. So, first one is this: your transformation fuels your witness. Your personal story of transformation fuels your witness. We are transformed people. As you come in through the doors, if you look at the just our, our, as you walk into our very building, we say that we are transformed people, changing our friends' lives, right? By absolute hope. Well, our transformation is fueled. Our story how we interact with others, the stories we tell around our campfire chat, right? It's fueled by our own personal stories of transformation. Now, what story of life transformation could you tell me? Don't answer this question, this is rhetorical. But when was the last time God used you to change someone's eternal story? Do you have any of those moments where you know that God is either using you to change your story or he used you to change your story? Have we, when was the last time you got to engage in that? It's a privilege to be able to be a part of that. But if we're not doing that, we need to ask ourselves why. And many of us don't even know the f- our own stories. We don't even know how to share our story. We don't even know what fuels our story. So we've got to figure that out. You've got to you've got to own your transformation. It's possible that some people even live in such a way that if you told people that you were a Christian, they'd be like, huh? Really, i would going to guess that. Like, how sad is that? Like, but it happens all the time. In fact, that's why many of us don't say a word because I, I'm not, not going to give Jesus a bad name. You know what I'm saying? So we got to ask ourselves: Well, then, are we fighting the transformation that Christ wants to do in our lives? Are we just holding on for some get out of hell free card? Or is there something deep happening within us? That's the fuel that transforms us. The passage of scripture uh, that continues on in Matthew chapter five is this, right? This is just two verses later than our theme verse. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You see, our, our transformation story should lead to everybody talking about how great we are, right? no. It should lead to telling about how great God is. Lead to everyone that they will praise your heavenly father. You see, if we're honest about our transformation story, it's gonna make us look pretty bad. If we're honest about what Christ has done in our lives, we have to share our depravity. We have to share just how rotten and evil and sick and twisted and disgusting we really are. The worm of the earth that we really came from. The worm that Christ saved and called us by name. He looked us in the eyes and said, you're mine. And our transformation story would be so hopefully riveting because we understand the depravity that he saved us out of. That's what the world needs to hear. And that's what fuels our stories. But most of us don't know what that transformation story is. And I'll I'll just give you a couple examples and hopefully you can adapt your current situation. I've been in ministry for 28 years, but I haven't always worked in the church, right? I've been working since I was thirteen, all right. And so I've worked in the secular world, and even when I first started ministry, I had to be vocational because I didn't make enough money to support my family. So I had to be in the secular world, and I loved it. You want to know why? Because you can—you barely have to try, and you can look different than the world around you in the workplace. Really, it's—it's it's pretty obvious in, at times. And so I was working at Taco Bell, working my way through college at Taco Bell and uh and so on this one particular day i was running the cash register and as i'm running the cash register in comes a girl and, and she was beautiful and she wasn't wearing a lot all right and so there wasn't a lot left to my imagination and so as i'm standing there it was a line and there was plenty of time to look and i'm like i gotta get out of here so i asked someone else to come up and run to the cash register and i walked back to, to stand on the line and make the food all right and so I'm standing there, I go back, and one of the guys, one of the kids I was witnessing to, this is college, right? This is before I was a pastor. So I, one of the kids I stand there by, his name is Nick, and uh, I was like, man, that girl is causing me to stumble. And that was exactly my words. And he, he looked at me, he's like, what'd you say? I was like, I said, that girl's gonna cause me to stumble. And he just started busting up laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. I'm like, why are you laughing? he goes, I just didn't know you ever did anything wrong. And so he, because uh, they're always watching, the world's always watching. If they know you're a follower of Christ, they're watching you. They were always trying to hear me cuss or swear. I'm not a cuss or swear. And so I come up with weird words, but I don't cuss or swear. So they, they're always listening. And so from that point forward, I went to the pool hall with them. He invited me to hang out with them. And I had more conversations with that young man about Christ than I could possibly imagine. Why? Because I told him my story of transformation. I shared with them my struggles. I didn't look good. I didn't look like a believer in Christ in that moment. I looked like a man who struggled looking at a girl who wasn't wearing enough clothes. And it opened the door of witnessing opportunity because I shared with him my depravity. I don't, I wasn't okaying my depravity. I was running from it. But we, so many of us were so driven by guilt and shame that we can't ever share our depravity. We, We don't, we haven't been transformed. Maybe we're still stuck in it. But that, that, that story of depravity that God has transformed us out of or is transforming you out of, that's the power of your story. And that's what you share with the world because there's so many people that are struggling. You don't have to be a perfect, cleaned-up Christian. I wasn't. I was struggling. But it opened up incredible doors. I could go on and on with different stories. I used to wear a rubber band on my wrist, all right? And it might have been stupid, but it was still what I did. And I wore a rubber band on my wrist. And every time I thought a dirty thought, I'd snap it, all right? This is in college again, all right, guys? So anyways, so there are times people will be like, why do you have a rubber band on your wrist? Oh, well, let me tell you. I'm really trying to live my life for Christ, and and, and my brain is really kind of messed up. And so every time I think a dirty thought, I snap myself so that I have pain, and I remind myself of the sacrifice Christ gave to me. And they just looked at me like I was the weirdest person ever. I don't care. I'm not living for them. I wanted to make myself right before God. It's just a con- I stopped doing it eventually because, well, it was embarrassing. But anyways, <laughs> it was a great conversation starter. It was the story of my transformation. And you have to find your own. I'm not saying go out and, and snap yourself with a rubber band, but I'm saying find your story you got to find something that opens up the conversations. Our, our, our transparency is the fuel to our transformation and our stories. And that's what, people don't need someone who's perfect. They need someone who's honest. Someone who is in the process of being changed by the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. All right? So your transformation fuels your story. you got to figure out what it is. Number two. All right? Second one is find your anchor. Find your anchor. What is that thing that keeps you grounded in being grateful for Christ? This is is such a a powerful one to me. Um, When I was preparing this message, man, I was bawling like a baby when I I created this point. But finally, uh, this this has been my anchor point for a long time. But finally, I don't know when, Mel Gibson made a movie called The Passion of the Christ. I don't know if any of you, anybody ever watched Passion of Christ? If you have not watched it i encourage you to watch it i I let my girls watch it when they're about five or six years old they were mortified by the way but it uh i wanted them to know what jesus did and that actually is a true story um but i wanted them to understand the sacrifice that christ had made and so in the movie there's this one picture it's right here and if you've seen the movie i don't know if you remember where this is at but this is when he's being he's he's chained to the whipping post all right and if you don't know about the romans they 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 were notorious for being able to keep to to brutally just torture a person to the point of death, all right? And keep them alive just long enough to just make them miserable. And so in that day and age, he actually would have been stripped naked. They put a loincloth on him in the movie, but he probably was most likely naked. And in this movie, in this spot, he's being whipped. And in that spot, the cat of nine tails literally rips the flesh off of the bone. And the scriptures say that his flesh was hanging like ribbons. And in this movie, in this one spot, and it, it gets me every time. It's like he, he pulls himself up. And then in this spot right here, he looks at the camera. And he's looking at me. And now maybe he's looking at you. But in that moment, he's looking at me and he says, I'm taking that beating for you. In fact, I'm the one holding the whip. And that that picture right there breaks me every time, every time I watch that movie because he was willing to do it. Over and over again. And every time I sin, every time I have an evil thought, I am taking that whip and I'm ripping the flesh off his bones one more time. That's my anchor. It reminds me of the sacrifice that he made for me. But it's not just for me. He did that for you. Remember the verse? Remember the verse that I just quoted a second ago? With, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice. This is what he did for us so that they can be made holy by your truth. He did that so you and I don't have to do that. He did that so you and I can be made holy like he is holy. Another passage, we all know John 3.16, but do we understand what comes after John 3.16? Once we put our belief in him, look at the transformation for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, once we believe in Christ, we're no longer condemned. We've been set free, keep going. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Do you realize that? Like when we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the only person getting whipped was him. Our condemnation is gone, our sin is gone, our shame is gone, our guilt has been eradicated. That is so powerful. He says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the first thing you got to do here today. He paid the price for you. He took every lash you should have ever deserved. But keep going. This is the verdict. Think of a courtroom. The verdict is in. The light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. We love our sin, we, we fight the transformation because we'd rather sin than love God. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Remember, we don't like to share our stories because it doesn't make us look good. That's the whole point of Christianity. We're not supposed to look good. We're supposed to make God look good. And when we're honest with our depravity, it's really easy to point how good God is. But most of us don't even want to own our own depravity. We want to justify our sin instead of calling it sin. Keep going. Or is that the last one? Yeah. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That's that penetrating vision of God looking right at us. Everything I've done was done in the sight of God. God. Every sin I've ever committed, I whipped him with the cat of nine tails. When I think of it like that, that is my anchor. I can't help but be changed. I can't help but be broken by my depravity and and keeping that as my anchor point. Like that fuels, that fuels my transformation story. I don't live in shame of the things that I've done. I don't live in guilt in the things that I've done. I've been set free from that. But so many of us, we don't want to tell anybody about it because I don't know why. I think it's because we're still held captive to all the wrongs that we've done because we get mixed up with what, the, what what we're supposed to be doing down here or, or what we get judged on. And last week, Matt talked about the fact that uh, the here and now matters, and it does matter. What you do here and now does matter because eternity matters more. Go ahead and bring that up. And when we think about that, what does your eternity look like? You see, so many people, we, we focus more upon the here and now instead of eternity. You see, my whole life, it's built around this idea that one day I'm gonna get to go be with God again. And when, when, when we get to go be with God, that's what really matters. And what I did down here shows just how much I thought about that. And most of us are more concerned with the here and now. And that's what Jesus was trying to help us understand, that eternity is what really matters. And last week, Matt shared with us that in eternity, we're going to be judged, right? And so if you were here last week and you heard about the judgment seat that's coming, uh, this is where many Christians get messed up. And this is, I pray, this is my other anchor point. I have two anchors, the the picture of Jesus and then this one, all right? And and I've shared this with my girls. Uh, I've shared it with my family. I've shared it in youth group before. But this is, this is the other part that just fuels every part about me because so many Christians get mixed up on what we're judged on. All right, So I want to read to you what Matt read last week. All right, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God and who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So as a follower of Christ, you have the literal Spirit of Christ living within you. And it was a guarantee. It's guaranteed you have him. If you have him, you are guaranteed of what's to come. What's to come? Keep reading. Therefore, we are always confident. Because of the guarantee of the spirit within me, I am confident. I'm always confident according to the scriptures. And I know that as long as I'm at home in this body, as long as I am physically drawing breath on the planet Earth, that I am in the body and I'm away from the Lord. All right? So we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. Are you confident? Do you know where your eternal destination is? I'm confident, I say. I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Most Christians would not prefer that. It took me a long time to get there, I get it. But the more I understand who God is, the more I want to be with him. I have a great life down here. Don't get me wrong, I love my life. But if I have a great life down here, my life in heaven is gonna be better. He says, no mind can imagine what it's going to be like. I got a good imaginator, all right? I know I could come up with some pretty cool stuff that's going to happen in heaven. But he says it's better than that. So as long as I'm down here, this is the worst misery I'm ever going to have. And what's to come is only better. So keep going. So we make it our goal because of that, we make it our goal to please him, not me, not earthly beings but god we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it all right that that's our goal is that your goal keep going for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ oh here's that judgment seat so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while well in the body whether good or bad well donnie you just said that i'm not condemned for my sins exactly so what's this good or bad here well the good news is this you see, Paul was writing to the Corinthians. And if we look at the chapter and verse, this is 2 Corinthians. So the really cool thing about the Bible is it interprets itself. He was alluding to a passage that he had already written to the Corinthians. He was alluding to a teaching that he had already told them about. He was reminding them of something. And this is why we get so confused. We get hung up on good or bad. Well, see, I'm not, I'm not forgiven. I'm, I'm judged on my good or bad. No, no, no. We gotta go back to what he said the judgment seat is all about, all right? We have, we will be judged, but it will be judged on our motives of what we did with Jesus Christ, all right? Here's my other anchor. Picture a courtroom, all right? You're in a courtroom, we're all in a courtroom. Actually, picture yourself by yourself in a courtroom. This is a big, empty courtroom, and you're gonna be by yourself. So get that in your mind. And when I get to heaven, all right? And when, I don't know what you're gonna do when you get to heaven, but when I get to heaven, Jesus is gonna be there, all right? And I hope he's in your heaven, too. So Jesus is gonna be there and I'm going to run up to him, and I'm going to give him a great big hug. Why? Everybody says, you won't give him a hug. I'm like, yes, I will, because he's my brother, and he said he's my brother, and he was in physical form, and he got to hug Lazarus, and he got to hug Mary, and John, and Peter, and and Judas, and Thomas, and all of them. Then he's going to get to hug me, and I don't know if I'll squeeze him and try and crack his back. I don't know what I'll do, but I'm going to give him a hug. And I already have the Holy Spirit in me because he said he sent me the Spirit. In fact, he guaranteed I have the Holy Spirit. So when I get to see him, it's gonna be an incredible celebration. And then when I'm wrapped up on him like a, like a grizzly bear, he's gonna say, um, Donnie, a little awkward. Um, we need to go see dad. Hmm, no, I don't wanna go see dad. He's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to be in there with you. Remember the whipping post? Because what I did, I removed your sins. You're not going in there to get your sins judged. You're going to go in there and show them what you did with me. You see, because we go back to what Paul was telling the Corinthians about in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians says this, 1 Corinthians 3, through 15, says, no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I know I have Jesus in my life. I'm guaranteed I get to see Jesus. I can't, everything from that point forward is what I'm gonna be judged on, what I did with Jesus, not what I did with my sin. He said, this, my sins are as far as the east is from the west. If that's not true, then he's a liar and I'm worshiping a wrong savior. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, on that day when I enter the courtroom before my God, the work, whether good or bad, the work I did for Christ will be revealed. It'll be brought to the light. Because remember, Jesus is the light. We are the light of the world. And all my internal motives for what I did for Jesus will be revealed on that day. Keep going. Keep going. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work, the motivation. The motivation for what I did with Jesus will be revealed. If what has been built survives, look at this. If what has been built, if what I give to God that day survives, then the builder, you and I, we receive a reward. Therefore, make it your goal to please him, right? But if it's burned up, the builder, you or I, oh, we'll suffer loss. But you'd still be saved. Even though as one escaping through the flames. Man. That is the fuel here. So I want you to, I want you to begin to see this in your mind. This is, this is where I make it my goal to please him. You see, because in my, in my box... This, this symbolizes all the times where I did great things for God and I made sure other people knew about it. And I received my reward here on earth. Wood, hay, or stubble. Oh, yeah. I can be pretty on fire for Jesus. I know the truth. Power of the word. It says it's the sword of the spirit. I could cut you to pieces with God's word. Early on, I was a flamethrower that Matt talked about. Oh, I could tell you truth. I could leave you in a pile of rubble. In fact, I, I prided myself on being able to out argue anybody that was around me. But I, I mean I did it in the name of Jesus. Oh yeah. I was good at being a secret Christian too. Cause you know, I covered it up. Like I didn't want people to really know who I was. So I didn't give them a bad name there, right? Wood, hay, or stubble? Or do I have this gets me every time? What are the things I put in my basket? In my treasure? Do I have costly gems and stones, and silver and gold? Because when I get to heaven, I know I've got Jesus. But I know I get to go meet Dad. And I don't don't know what that meeting will be like. I know what it's like just trying to tell you about it. And I'm going to give my box to God. All the things I want to tell him, Thank you for giving your son as a sacrifice for me. Thank you. Here's what I got. It's it's what I built my life on. I built my life on Jesus around every campfire. He's gonna look at my basket. And it's either gonna be burned up or there's gonna be something left. It's all gonna be based upon my motives, good or bad. It's not my sins. My sins aren't in the basket, they've been removed. Your sins aren't there. If you have Jesus, you've been forgiven. Your guilt is wiped out, your condemnation is gone, your shame is eradicated. But what you do with Jesus, that's what you're building your campfire about. What did you do, what are you doing with Jesus? What's What's your anchor point? Now, those are mine. They're based in the scriptures. You can use them. You can steal them. I don't care. Biggest thing, you aren't stealing them. Make them your own. But find your anchor. You know, I don't don't have to struggle to figure out, I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. It's part of me. He is my story. He's been with me since I was three years old. And I can tell you story upon story upon story. It is not my job to convince you to love Jesus. I have never owned that. I don't believe it's my responsibility. You can die and burn in hell as long as I tell you about Jesus. And that may sound harsh, and that might have been my sword. I don't know, but I don't mean that mean. I just mean it's not my responsibility for your choices. You own that. You have to choose what you do with Jesus. So does everybody around my campfire. I just have to tell them. I just have to tell you about Jesus. You get to choose what you want to do with him. And here's the cool thing about our campfires. I wish that we would all, everyone in our room, want to please God and make him our goal, to please him and not the people around our campfire. But here's a really cool thing. If we do that, he invites us into the story. And we need to accept him. We need to accept him and his invitation to his story, to history, to the history of another person's choice. We've got to accept that he wants to use us. He wants to use my basket. And That might seem weird to us, but that's how God established his church. He's, he's built eternity around what you and I do with him on this earth. Now, he doesn't need us. He can work through visions and dreams. He's doing it all over the place, over in uh, in Iran and Iraq and and Muslim-controlled countries right now. He doesn't need us. He's proven that. He wants us. He wants us. He invites us into the story. Look at this next passage of Scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. I'm a new person. All that old stuff is gone. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave you the the ministry, not just me, to you. Keep going. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If we are judged on our sins, then God is a liar. Once we have Christ, he's a liar if we're judged on our sins. Now before Christ, yes, you're gonna be judged on your sins. After Christ, We're judged on what we built on Christ. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. He's committed you and I to this message. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us at our campfire with all the people that are sitting around it where we live, learn, work, and play. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Accept his invitation. Accept the fact that he wants to use you. That is such an impo- important part of this picture of what Christ has come to do. You don't, you don't need to go find a new campfire. He wants to use you right where you're at. He's not, in fact, he's not going to give you a new campfire. Why would he give you a new one if you don't use the one you got, right? We don't need to become a pastor or a missionary unless God's calling you to do that but he just wants you to see your campfire differently. Accept the invitation to take him into your places of work and school and extracurricular activities where you live. Accept it and then own that part. Own your circle. Own your campfire. Let the light of Christ shine forth. Accept his invitation to live on mission right where you are. When we do that, it changes us because the reconciled then reconcile others. The transformed then become the true people who are transforming their friends' lives because we're not living in secrecy, nor are we living in shame. We're not living in guilt. We're living in freedom, and we want all people to come with us to live in the freedom of Christ. And that leaves us to the last point, number four. Number four. Find your voice, find your voice, not my voice, not Matt's voice, your voice, find your voice. Okay, find your story. If you wanna use some of these things, yes, but your story, your campfire looks differently than mine. That's how God reaches the world because our our campfires kind of intermingle. But when you guys go out of here, we're in vastly different places. Some of you guys don't see each other until you come back to church. Your campfires never, never touch until here. What are we doing in those? Pray for awareness and opportunities in your campfire. Pray that God would open your eyes so that you can see those moments where he gives you voice so that you can share Christ in your circle where you live, learn, work, and play. Pray for that. Matt talks about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. Your top five. Who are your top five? Are you praying for them? This is the only way. We don't have to own the work of transformation. Remember, I, already, I said that a moment ago. All we have to do is take it. Christ does work. Look at what Paul says. I love how Paul summarizes this. What after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Right. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Pretty big deal in the Christian world. He didn't think so. We're only servants to whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, he's given each of us a campfire, our personalities. Then our personalities come out here. I planted a seed. That's Paul. Apollos watered it. That's his personality. God has been making it grow. You see, the beautiful thing of transformation and reconciliation is we just share it. Once we share it, once we water the soil, once we dig up the soil, whichever one you are, the planter, the sower, or the harvester, or the cultivator, then God makes it grow. The Holy Spirit does the work. We just have to be faithful. So neither the one who plants... No, the one who waters is anything. So that means no one in this room is better than anyone else. Isn't that free? There isn't a single one of us that stands here better or more forgiven in the eyes of God. If you have Christ, we are all equal. Keep going. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. Oh, look at this. And they'll be rewarded according to their own labor. You and I will be rewarded someday based upon what we did with Jesus Christ. For we are all co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You, as you are in here today, are God's building. You literally, if you have followed, if you say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you literally are the church. You have the the spirit of Christ living in you as a deposit, as a guarantee that you will someday get to run and give Jesus the greatest hug ever. You're guaranteed that you'll have an audience with the judge. You're guaranteed that you'll have Jesus standing there right beside you. And you're guaranteed that you'll give an account for what you did with Jesus on this earth. You're guaranteed that he already gave you a circle of influence. It's called your campfire. The only guarantee that we don't have is will we accept his invitation into being used by him in a story of transformation, What a powerful moment that each one of us have to be able to be used by the God of this universe. Let's pray. Dear God, you are so amazing. The fact that you call us mere humans to be what you want to advance your kingdom with. Lord, it seems kind of crazy to me. And yet that's what you've chosen. And so God, today, right now, if there's someone in this room right now that doesn't know you, God, I pray that that would be the first thing that they make their choice. It's like, you know what? I've never even settled my own transformation. I need to follow Jesus. I need to make him Lord of my life. Lord, if there's someone in here right now, Lord, let that be their choice as I speak. Lord, for those of us that are here that have made that choice, and maybe lord we've been living in secrecy or anonymity or we've been throwing the sword or we've been putting on the shades and the blinders or we've been trumpeting our good works lord i don't know where we're at but god we're filling our baskets to put at your feet so god i pray that you would just you would go with us as we leave this building help us to look at our campfire from an incredibly different lens and to realize that you, God, you want to use us right where you've put us. So God, forgive us when we make a mess out of that. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your guarantees. But God, may we be, may we be the salt and the light of this earth that you want us to be. May we focus upon the eternal and not the temporal. God, you are our all. And we surrender this to you today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.